0: Hey guys, I just wanted to get a quick disclaimer out before the episode starts. I just want to let you guys know this episode, if you've seen the title, obviously is about the new show on Discovery Plus, Alaskan Killer Bigfoot, in which a team goes to Port Chatham and documents their experiences there. Obviously, if you guys know anything about me, you know that um, in 2018, I was part of an expedition to the same area, actually the first expedition in the same area to look for uh, evidence of Bigfoot. So obviously I cannot give an unbiased review of this show. I cannot look at it from a untainted perspective. I have been there. I've spent some time there. Uh, I was the first to do what they're getting a lot of uh, credit for. So obviously I have feelings about that and that's going to reflect in my feelings for the show and the things I say about it. So if you enjoy the show, if you think it's a great piece of uh, television, then uh, I suggest strongly suggest just uh, turn this off and uh, go watch Alaska killer Bigfoot. Uh, If you would like to hear the opinion of someone Who has, in the parlance of our times, been there, done that, uh, then by all means, please keep listening. So, uh, without further ado, let's get into it. Hey guys, so here we are back in the studio recording again, and uh, I'm gonna apologize for the lateness of this. I know this is this is coming out a lot later than I planned, and um, I have an excuse. Uh, it's not necessarily a good excuse, but I have an excuse, and that is basically it was really really hard uh, for me to uh, to do this to sit down and and watch this show uh, and and do it. Uh, honestly, if I hadn't mentioned on the previous show that I was going to do this, I I would have backed out. I wouldn't have done it. Uh, I watched a couple episodes and then I was just like, man, I can't, I don't want to, I, I was like, I was literally finding excuses not to watch it. I was doing housework. I was working, uh, on my side gig. I was just, literally doing anything I could not to sit down and watch this show and uh, I finally just kind of um just sat down one day and just kind of powered through it and um I guess uh, you know my I, I can't just sit here and start talking about the show I guess I I have to give you guys the full meal deal I have to go give you guys some inside baseball stuff and <clears throat> It actually, this review of the show, uh, it actually goes back to the beginning of uh, 2020. And I um, was, I had gotten a call. Actually, I'd gotten a couple of calls. and I think I might've even gotten some calls at the police department before I retired. From what I remember, I walk in one day and uh dispatch gives me a says, Hey, some like TV guy got called and wanted to talk to the cop that looks for Bigfoot. And I called back, left a voicemail. We played phone tag for a little bit. Anyway, anytime, if any of you guys have ever had any dealings with any like, uh, TV show producers, or like if you've ever been on TV or ever had any dealings with, uh, the industry as it is, uh, From what I understand, it's a pretty similar experience for everybody that's done it. Uh, Generally, what happens, especially with me, is I'll get a call from someone. Let's say I'll get a call from Joe, and Joe will say, "Hey, we're gonna be doing a show. Uh, It's gonna be on around this time. Are you interested?" And you say, "Yeah, I, you know, I'd like to hear more." Yeah, I'm interested. And he'll say, "Great, I will call you." next week. And then like a month will go by or more. And then somebody else will call you. Let's say Jill will call you and be like, Hey, I understand you talked to Joe and we work for this, this place. And maybe, maybe Jill works for a different place than Joe worked for. And she'll say, are you still interested? And I, and you'll say, yeah, yeah, I'm still interested. And she'll say, great. Uh, you know, we're going to be uh, coming to town on these days, or we're going to, you know, be filming in this place. If, can you make it there? Do you need, you know, do you need help getting there whatever. And then she'll say, all right, I'll call you back next week. And then like another three or four weeks, a month go by two months sometimes and then a third person will call you and say, you know, this is Bill. I'm with the, it probably, it's probably a third different place, a different production company. Uh, I would like, you know, we understand you're interested in being in the show. So that's kind of how it started uh, with me and uh, Alaskan Killer Bigfoot, which at the time I didn't know that's what it was called. Uh, I got a call from a production company. They wanted me uh, to participate in a show that they were going to be filming in Homer, they said. And they asked if I was interested. And, of course, I said yes. So, again, you know, I I, lo- I lost track of how much time went by between calls. Because I would hear something, then a few weeks would go by. A month or two would go by. And then I'd hear something else. And that's pretty typical. That's, that's not uh, that big of a deal. And <clears throat> then I got... Um, another call and this gentleman, uh, was telling basically a lot of times when you talk to these guys, it's kind of like a, almost like a job interview where they're, they want to know about you. They want to know about what you've done. They want to know about, you know, your experiences. They want to know what you know about, uh, so they can decide whether or not to include it on their show. And so I had an interview with this gentleman and it was a, a lot like a, you know, like you know sell sell yourself to me what have you done what do you, what do you know what have you seen what have you done and i've had a few of those calls and so i told him about uh, being part of the uh, the port chatham expeditions in 2018 2019 i told him about my book that had it was either it was either just about to come out or had just came out i don't remember it came out in march so it was i can't remember if it had just came out or it was just about to come out but anyway, I, um, I tell this guy all about, uh, the Port Chatham expeditions, tell him about my book, uh, tell him how I've just written a book, you know, about Port Chatham. It's the only nonfiction book, uh, about Port Chatham that's available. And I, uh, he said, he, he said they, they were interested in having me on the program and, uh, they were interested in, uh, shooting an interview with me. And I thought, well, that's cool. I'll just, you know, sit down and, and just, uh, you know, talk, talk about Bigfoot or Port Chatham or whatever, you know? So he says, I'll send you a, um, an appearance release, which is something that you have to sign, uh, before you, uh, basically before you're involved in a production like that, it's kind of like giving them permission to use your uh, appearance and voice, it's kind of like a carte blanche thing where they can, <clears throat> if they want to use you, uh, in a commercial, or if they want to use you for a voiceover on a commercial or just, just, uh, just a, their blanket, we can use our film of you in our production, uh, to give them permission to do it. So he sends me this, uh, he sends me this, uh, appearance release and, I get it and I, and they're pretty standard. You know, I, I don't really have a problem with them. I understand. And it's also kind of like an NDA type thing where, you know, don't, don't tell anybody about our project and stuff you see on the project, stuff like that. he sends me this form and, uh, they always have the name of the production on it, even though like, I, I don't know how long it takes them to figure out the name of these shows, but pretty much everyone I've ever been on, except for one, I think, uh, the name changed. From the time we filmed it to the time it aired. And he sends me this appearance release. And the name of the production is called Portlock. So right away, I'm like, what the hell? (laughs) Like, I just spent like an hour on the phone with this dude. And he just said their show was about Bigfoot in Alaska. And he never once mentioned anything about Port Chatham or Portlock. Uh I sure did though during my time talking to him. I mean, I was like, Yeah, I've been to Portlock. Have you ever heard of Portlock? He's like, Yeah, I think I've heard of it, you know. Like we're going back and forth. And not once did he be like, Oh man, our show's all about Portlock. That's great. Never made no indication whatsoever. So to me, that was a little bit of a red flag. I was just like, Why would <clears throat> this gentleman just spend all this time on the phone with me, with me blabbering on about Portlock and Port Chatham and him not once mentioned that's what their production's about, or that's what their show's about, which granted a lot of times they're a lot of these, uh, TV guys, they're pretty cagey about their, uh, what they're producing. And I don't know. I, there must be like a lot of, uh, <clears throat> a lot, a lot of stuff that gets, um, uh, Blake, well i mean I, everybody knows they they do like knock off some movies and stuff but i mean just like a lot of times it's almost ridiculous how they're like so secretive about what they're doing uh like i like i'm going to go off and like make my own <clears throat> you know like i'm going to do exactly what they're going to do and get it out before them you know like i have the resources to do that but whatever um and i just got a weird vibe about it i was just like man i cannot believe I spent all the time on the phone with that guy talking about Port Chatham and he never once like mentioned that their production was about Port Chatham. And of course this makes me like, I'm, I'm the dude, (laughs) like I'm the Port Chatham dude. Like I've written the book. I've been there twice. You know, I live nearby. Like I feel like that my presence uh, on this show uh, is kind of important. Uh, you know, not not to I'm, and again, I'm not trying to say that <clears throat> I'm badass or irreplaceable or anything, but I would say that I have probably uh, more than uh, average knowledge on the subject that they are planning to uh, make a movie about. so or a f- show about. Therefore, I would be a very nice and important addition to their production. And again, <clears throat> you know, I made myself a promise um, a while ago um, that I'll never do another TV show for free. Uh, pretty much every one I've, I've done so far, I've I mean, I might have had my, my transportation or my meal paid for or something, but I've never gotten compensated and that was partly because that was actually a choice i made because i was working at the police department at the time and i did not want to, to have another job basically if i was going to be making money somewhere else i had to get approval to have another job and i did not want to have to basically say hey i'm going to go be is it can i go be on tv and have to have that be somebody's decision to make whether they could tell me I could do it or not. But if I don't make any money off of it, I can do whatever I can do it. Right? It's it's not a big deal. I, I'm it's not a second course source of income. I can do whatever I want. <clears throat> so I I purposely uh, did not re- take any compensation for my television appearances uh, up until my retirement. So I I'm like okay this this is this is this is my time. I'm finally retired from the police department. I don't have to worry about, uh, you know, secondary income and getting a second job approved. They're making a show about Port Chatham of which I am at least in my own mind an expert on. (laughs) So I'm like, this is it. This is my time to shine. This is great. And so I, um, I get another call from the guy. I haven't, I haven't filled out the appearance release yet. And I was kind of like, man, I um, I can't help but notice the name of the show <clears throat> is a is called uh, Portlock. <laughs> um, you you did you didn't mention that before, you know, like when we were on the phone the the first time or two, and I talked for like an hour about Portlock. You didn't mention that the show was about Portlock. And uh, you know, he kind of, oh yeah, well yeah, it's 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 you know yeah, it's about Portlock or it's got like and I was kind of like, well, you know, I'm, I'm like the dude about, I'm the port lock dude. And, uh, he's like, oh, well, yeah, okay. Yeah, well, we can offer you a hundred dollars. And I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll get back to you. <clears throat> so I, 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 as soon as he, he said they were offered me a hundred dollars. I, I, my mind immediately went to a interview that I had seen years and years ago with Jeff Goldblum. And, uh, just to clarify, I'm not in any way at all comparing myself to Jeff Goldblum. He is way more famous, talented, and a far nicer person probably than I am. <clears throat> but uh, I just, the, that amount, the $100, it reminded me of this um, interview that I saw with him. I believe it was on the David Letterman show, one of those late night talk shows. <clears throat> and he was talking about uh, Jurassic Park. And... um I guess uh, a little, long, they, they had made a cartoon of Jurassic Park and I guess they were making toys of Jurassic Park. This was back, you know, in the, in the nineties. And, uh, <clears throat> he said they, they called him the, the, this company, the toy company. I think it was either the toy company or the animation studio. I don't remember which one, maybe it was both. I think they were, maybe they're going to make toys based on the show, the, the TV show, the cartoon show. And he gets this call and they tell him, they're like, all right, Jeff, um, you know, we, we want to, we want to make uh, a toy, uh, based on, on your character, uh, Dr. Malcolm. And we want to use your uh, likeness to, you know, for the toy, like there's going to be an action figure that, that looks like you. <clears throat> and we want to, um, we want to, we want to pay you for your likeness rights. And Jeff, uh, he looks at the person he's, that's that he's talking to. And he goes, and this is, in my mind, like, this is it. I have hit the big time. They are going to make cartoons and toys of me. And this is my moment. This is what I got, you know, this is the big time. I am going to make the big bucks now. And uh, I I don't remember. I think the interviewer's like, so what, uh, so what they give you? Or what did they, what did they offer you? And Jeff Goldblum looks at him and he goes, a (laughs) hundred dollars and everybody laughs and uh and he goes and of course you know I didn't do it that's that's insulting that's ridiculous and it just like I I felt the exact same way I'm like a hundred dollars and he said and he had said and I didn't I didn't express my displeasure with this amount when I was talking to him this this time and um but I was just thinking like a hundred dollars, you know, like that seems a little low. And he did say like, well, it's just going to be for one afternoon, you know, for like a couple or no, for a couple hours is what he said, which is a damn lie. Okay. I don't know if you've ever dealt with any kind of filming or production. It's. I mean, it takes forever. It takes forever to get set up. It takes forever to get mic'd up. It takes forever to set the, and then you got to say stuff over and over again. You got to look at this camera. You got to look at that camera. You got to go on and on. <clears throat> it was a damn lie. Okay. It wasn't going to take a couple of hours. It was going to be an all day event. I, I guarantee it. Plus what are, what are like, I can't, I, I, I couldn't tell them half this stuff. I know in a couple of hours, like, what the hell, you know, I'm like, the, so they just basically want me to sit down talk about it for a few minutes. And that's going to be my participation. it. I'm, cause in my he- head, I'm thinking like, Oh, you know, they probably want me to go there and guide them and show them where stuff is. And, you know, I can take them to the sound site. I can take them, uh, you know, up to the, uh, the, where the cannery was, where all the machinery was like, I know where that stuff is, like the back of my hand. If you drop me off on the beach there, I can go right to it. <clears throat> and, uh, I'm thinking, Oh, you know, I'm going to get to go back to Port Chatham. I'm going to get to, uh, you know, partake in another, um, uh, production of it. And then this guy, you know, he tells me like, Oh, we're just going to interview you for a couple hours and we'll give you a hundred bucks for your pro for your trouble. And it just didn't set right with me. And I had, I had a hard time with it. And I, cause I'm like, okay, on the one side, it's, it is a finally a paying gig on the other side it's a hundred dollars and it's basically my specialty, my forte, I guess, if you would. <clears throat> and I went back and forth on it for the put. And, you know, finally I just decided, you know, I'm I'm not going to, I'm just going to pass on this. So a long time went by. <clears throat> I never sent the, I never signed or sent the, uh, uh, appearance release back. And, uh, eventually it was actually much, much later than what I thought it was going to be. Um, I get a call back from the same dude and he's, uh, he's like, Hey, we're going to be filming uh, on, on these days uh, down on the spit. If you, if you want to come down and, and film with us. And I said, you know, I just, uh, I, I'm not, uh, I'm not interested. I said, I I think, uh, you know, you've got the dude here that is like, synonymous with Port Chatham and, uh, known for his work in Port Chatham. He's written a book about Port Chatham and, uh, you just want to interview him and give him a hundred dollars. And he says, well, I can double it. I can give you $200. And again, I said, I, I still think that's too low. Um, and, and I said, I regret saying this, but I literally, I'm a better writer than I am a speaker. Obviously, if you've read my book and listen to the podcast, you probably know that. And I said, <laughs> and I, I can't believe I said this, but I said, uh, I mean, come on, man. Do you know who you're messing dealing with here? Like I'm the dude, like I'm the porch Chatham dude. And I, I re- regretted it as soon as I said it. But I don't, at the same time, it's not, I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong. Like this is my specialty. Uh, you know, you're ne- and if you're good at something, never do it for free. Right. The Joker said that. So I said it. And the guy said, well, to be honest, it's not all, or to be fair. I don't know if he said honest or fair. It's not all about you. And I said, okay, well, you know, good luck on your production. <clears throat> I'm not interested in participating. Have a good day. And I hung up. And that was the last I heard about it. <clears throat> so I, w- I was uh, rather incensed. Uh, I didn't have, I didn't feel like I had a good um, rapport with the, uh, the person that, I I don't know if it was just him or if it was me, I, I don't know. It just, I did not feel good about it. And I felt I had some, I, I had some red flags. I was seeing some reservations. I had some reservations about it. And I was just like, man, I just don't feel like this is going to be a good fit. Like I don't, and, and, and keep in mind, like they didn't tell me anything about the production, nothing. And that was a red flag. In itself, but they didn't share anything with me. And that made me a little uneasy because I'm like, I don't know what they're doing here. Are they doing a real, you know, like deep dive, serious, uh, in-depth look at Port Chatham, or are they like making some kind of, uh, farce? I, I mean, I just don't know. So, you know, sometimes discretion's the better part of valor. So I, I noped out of there. Um, and I was kind of keeping an ear to the ground, trying to hear about, uh, what was going on. Uh, they did post on like the local Facebook page, you know, they were like, Hey, if anybody's seen a uh, Bigfoot, you know, we'd love to interview you. And, uh, it was, people can be so mean. I actually felt kind of bad for them. <clears throat> um, some guy responded to it with like, get the hell out of here with that stupid shit or something like that. And, uh, I mean, that just goes to show, that's one of the reasons why I necessarily don't really get on social media. Um, not why well, I do have my social media, but I don't, I don't get into the community social media and be like, Hey, has anybody seen a Bigfoot? Cause you're just going to be like tossing yourself into the shark tank. So anyway, uh, some time goes on and <clears throat> I'd heard that they had hired, um, the cook from the Nan Wallach school to go out there with them. And I'm thinking, which I didn't know the cook from the Nantan school. I thought that they had hired some lady to go out there with them. And I thought she was going to be like staying on the boat or something and cooking. But it turns out he's actually like one of the team members, like it's a dude and he's one of the team members. So time passes. Uh, I had heard that they were out there filming and I had, um, <laughs> I had, um, saw basically when they released like a trailer or something and uh, they had released the name <clears throat> of the show. And see when I got the appearance release, the name they were just calling it port lock, which was probably just like a place, a placeholder name or something, which happens quite a bit. But then uh, I saw, I started seeing uh, press for it and they called the show Alaskan killer Bigfoot. And as soon as I saw that, I was just like, wow, I freaking dodged a bullet with that. I mean, On the one hand, that is going to draw in a lot of people that it's a, it's a, it's a, I mean, that's, it's out there, you know, it's a bombastic title, Alaskan killer Bigfoot. On the other hand, like it's, it's corny, it's silly and really, uh, (laughs) it's kind of silly. You know, I wasn't a big fan of the name of In Search of the Port Chatham Harry Man. I thought it was too, it's too long Uh, it, it makes an obscure reference to the hairy man, uh, which a lot of people, you know, I actually saw some reviews on in search of Port Chatham, hairy man, where people were like, I didn't know this was about Bigfoot. It was stupid. Um, so yeah, you know, you've got to, if you put pro tip, if you put Port Chatham in the uh, name of your YouTube video, you're going to get a ton of hits. Uh, you're going to get thousands of views, just pro tip. Uh, there are a lot of videos out there on YouTube where people just take information from online and stuff they've seen um, another play, my book among them, and they just uh you know do like a text to speech thing or they just you know basically regurgitate what uh what they've heard and uh, put a video up on it and it gets you know like a hundred thousand hits. <clears throat> but anyway, uh as soon as I saw the name of the show I was like, "Oh, man. I I feel like I um kind of feel like I dodged a bullet on that one. Um that that sounds pretty pretty cheesy. Um and then uh the show uh premiered and I have um Discovery Plus and I thought, "Well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to watch it." <clears throat> and I sat down Uh, to watch the first episode. And I think before the first episode premiered, or maybe just after, uh, I was looking through the, um, the newspaper one day, the, the local paper. And, uh, I saw this, this article for, um, about the show, this Alaska killer Bigfoot show. And I, (laughs) this is, this is where, so I wasn't, I wasn't happy with my interaction uh, with the production up to this point. I just, I, I just, it felt weird. It felt kind of, uh, you know, skeevy, uh, thought it was a little, uh, underhanded. I don't know. And then I hear the name of the show and see some, uh, footage from it. And I'm like, okay, I think I probably made the right choice here. Uh, probably shouldn't good thing. I didn't touch that. Well, then <laughs> I see the, uh, the, a news article, about it in the local newspaper. And so this is where my, my feelings start to go from like basically uh, just apprehension to uh, jealousy. Okay. <clears throat> Cause I know a lot of people that are listening to this are going to be like, well, he's just jealous. Well, yeah, I am. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so I see this article in the paper about the show. And I'm like, what the? And I look, and it's written by a guy that works at the newspaper that I know. And, and normally that wouldn't be such a big deal. But step into the Wayback Machine here with me just for a second. In 2018, before Stephen Major and I left on our expedition to go to Port Chatham, uh, I called the same gentleman that works at the newspaper and I said, hey, <clears throat> myself and my uh, partner here are going to Port Chatham we're going to be the first people in there to uh, film a documentary and look for Bigfoot. And I think, you know, it would be uh interesting article for you to do like a human interest thing or something. <clears throat> Stevens willing to um, give you a press release and, and, and do an interview with you. And, you know, he thinks it would uh, just be a, a good uh, story for the paper. It's, it's, you know, a local thing here. And I kind of got shined on, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And I gave him Stevens info. Oh yeah. I'll call you. And then obviously the article never materialized. There was no article ever done you know, even after the documentary came out, uh, there was not a peep about it in the local newspaper. So here I am, you know, in 2021, uh, setting down and seeing this article, uh, about this show that's doing, uh, what we did. And obviously I'm a little like, well, how, why, how, why, how is this news now? And the only thing I can think, come up with is that it's because it's on, it's not, it wasn't independent production. It's on a network. Um, because I mean, I was friendly with the guy. I'm like, Hey, you know, I'm on first name basis with the guy. Hey, you know, we're going out here to do this, you know, uh, documentary. Would you be interested in, in doing an article about it? Oh, okay. You know, sure. Whatever. You know, basically telling me GFY. And then a couple of years later, uh, you know, here's, and it's a long article too. <laughs> uh, so that irked me. Uh, that was just like, man, how in the hell does this, this rate? So the only thing I can think of is that our <clears throat> liberal leaning paper, that's usually uh, yay, small business, you know, corporations and, and uh, oil companies bad uh, must have gotten a press release or something from the discovery network. And was like, Oh my God, it's the discovery network. And like, just went wild with the article. I don't know. Uh, I know that they, they can't have, I mean, I know what goes on around here. They don't have that much crap to write about that. They couldn't throw a couple of paragraphs in about in search of the porch, Adam Harry, man. So yeah, I'm, I'm a little, uh, butthurt over that. <clears throat> Although they did do a really nice article about my book, but, uh, still yeah, it would have been nice to get that local press coverage for the documentary when we went there and were are the first people to do it. Uh, you know, it's kind of like, just imagine like you did something and you were the first person to do it. <clears throat> and then all of a sudden, a couple of years later, somebody else comes along and does it. And then all of a sudden it's a big deal, but nobody really cared when you did it. <laughs> and I mean, obviously that's, uh, how I feel about this. Um, you know, it's, but you know, to be honest, like it's not getting very good, um, reactions. It's not getting a lot of good, uh, reviews online, but it does have a very, um, enthusiastic fan base. And I think really the, the tipping point for me, uh, was when I saw someone they, so they have a, a group, uh, a group Facebook page. If, if you're, if you're a fan of the show, head on over there, it's called Alaskan killer Bigfoot. It's a Facebook group. Uh, I think at least a couple of the cast members are on there. and, uh, somebody was in the group, some, some, uh, female had commented, and made a post or comment and basically said, you, you guys are heroes. And, uh, that was kind of, uh, that, that moment for me where I was just like, you've gotta be shitting me, you know? And that was, (laughs) that was it. So, so anyway, my uh, plan is I'm going to uh, talk, I've got some notes here. I'm going to talk about the first four episodes. Uh, Then I think by next week, the last episode will be out. I'm going to talk about the last four episodes. And then I am going to basically never speak of this again. Um, So I feel like there was something else I wanted to talk about before I got into the episodes. But I think that's about it. We're already like a half hour into this bad boy. So anyway, episode one's called, uh, village of the dam. Uh, it starts out It actually when it started out, <clears throat> you know, I was, I was still kind of like, okay, you know, as long as they treat the, the place and the subject with some respect, Hey, you know, I'm all for it. Although the, um, previews I had seen didn't give me a lot of hope, but I was like, Hey, you know what? They can edit trailers and shit, however they want. So I was like, I'll reserve judgment. And it actually started out kind of intriguing, and they show a bunch of a bunch of uh, snippets of interviews with local natives um, about uh, Bigfoot and Nantinock, and that's that's one of the things <clears throat> I I like to watch the show with um, subtitles on, and I noticed like they were spelling Nantinock. I'm not going to say wrong because I don't necessarily think there is a right way to spell it, but they were spelling it with one eye in the middle when I have traditionally seen it spelled with two eyes in the middle. And it, it, it irked me a little bit, but it didn't, it, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal. But then like later on, I can't remember what episode it is. I think I it's in my notes. <clears throat> they start spelling it the correct way with the two eyes in the middle. So I don't know what that's about. Uh, I I, probably the production company has nothing to do with the subtitles. It's probably contracted out to somebody or something. But anyway, uh, they start out with these snippets of interviews with people talking about the, uh, Bigfoot encounters and seeing Bigfoot or Nantanok. And the first thing that jumps out about me, I thought, you know, at first I'm like, oh man, this, this is starting out pretty good. It's starting out like it has potential. But the problem with it is, is they just show you snippets of the interviews where the people will say something like, oh yeah, the Bigfoot is big and hairy and, and he'll, you know, uh, a lot of people uh, got killed by the Bigfoot or something like that. And then they'll they'll show you just that, that little sound bite, and then they'll jump to the next one, which is uh, one of the oldest tricks in the book. Um, if you just cut up a, a, a interview, you just add the parts that you just use the parts that you want and you can discount the ones you don't want. Uh, so basically, you know, you don't have any context with what that person's saying. You're just hearing them say, uh, Bigfoot will murder people. But what you don't catch is that at the beginning of the sentence, they say, well, you know, there's stories go around, around going around that Bigfoot will murder people. So they kind of cut that the part they don't want out and make the rest of it sound like it's a, a statement of fact, like Bigfoot murders people. And that's the part they put in for their interview. So that's, you know, that's, that's the first basic red flag that I saw. The first thing that kind of, uh, made my eyebrows arch and it just, uh, I I was starting to feel like I didn't, I don't think, I think I made the right decisions by not being involved in this. Uh, and then they start telling us that they're going, they're leaving from Nanwalloc. They're going to go to Portlock in order to try and take back the land which at first I was like, okay, but they're saying the premise they're using is that they're running out of room in Nanwallic and that they don't have uh, room to grow. And that was kind of shocking to me because I mean, you can, you can run over to, uh, any census or even Wikipedia, and you can see that there are 45 households in Nanwallic and 54 houses. So they technically have more houses than households. So I'm not quite sure why they need to, uh, take the land back, but you know, whatever. I, I figure this is just their excuse as, and that was another thing I noticed. It seemed like the crew, the team that they assemble is more interested in kind of the history of Port Chatham and their mission. You know, they, they, they mentioned that like, Oh, we're here, you know, we're going to, you know, we can put another cannery here or we can put houses here or whatever. But then you'll have the production team, you know, off screen asking them questions like, what are you going to do if you see a Bigfoot? Uh, What, you know, what gun do you think you should shoot a Bigfoot with? You know, like, do you think that was Bigfoot that did that? You know? (laughs) So it seems like the team is actually um, more interested in the land and the production team is just dead set hell bent on making a Bigfoot show um, but anyway, we get introduced to the team. Uh, there's a big guy named DJ. He's the cook. And, um, then there's Ash who's labeled as an outdoorsman and Kyle, who is a Kyle doesn't show up to a little bit later. <clears throat> he is a, um, labeled as a bear guard. Uh, I believe he owns some kind of, uh, guiding guides, uh, business or something like that. Uh, here in Alaska. Keith is the expedition leader. Um, And Keith, both Keith and DJ are, uh, as far as I know, uh, Alaska natives. I don't, I'm pretty sure Ash is not. And I don't believe Kyle is, Uh, but they actually have um, some interviews with some elders. They actually have some uh, kind of uh, B-roll stuff with some elders. And that really, really surprised me because I know when Stephen and I went, you know, Stephen had asked, he's like, Hey, we would love to come, uh, to, to Nanwalloc or Port Graham and, and interview, uh, anybody that would want to talk to us, interview the elders, interview, you know, anybody about the history of Port Chatham. And basically uh, we're told no. Um, so I don't know what's different now. Uh, my, I have theories. I imagine obviously number one theory is that, They just said, we'll give you money. Uh, They probably offered money. I don't know that Stephen offered anybody any money when he wanted to go in there. Uh, And then my other theory is that they uh, sweet-talked them and just basically said, hey, this is going to be about natives. You know, this is going to be the native side of the story. You know, it's all going to be about native stuff and native Alaska natives and natives and just basically told them that, you know, you're doing this. This is good for your people. And just basically sweet-talked them into it whatever they did. I just hope that they made more than a hundred dollars anyway. So, uh, they're getting ready to leave. Uh, the elder says the Nantanot killed three dozen other ancestors. I really, really wish, um, I knew where they get these numbers from. Cause these numbers get thrown around quite a bit. And I think actually they change a little bit depending on who's talking. Uh, and then he tells them, before they leave, don't go into the forest. And when I heard that, I was just like, you gotta be freaking kidding me. Cause that's all it is is forest. Like that's the entire place. <clears throat> so they, uh, they get a blessing, uh, from the local priest, which honestly I thought this was probably the most sincere part of this, the, the show like this to me felt like the, like this is something that they would do. Like this is something that natives would do before they would do something like this. Like I, this was probably the most believable part of the show for me. And then, um, so they get in their skiff and they take off and I didn't have a really, I didn't have that much of a problem with them going, uh, there in a skiff because uh, technically Nan walk's not really that far away from Port Chatham, I guess. it's, I believe it's probably possible to go in a boat that small. Um, and as they're, they're, puttering into to the Port Chatham there, one of the guys says, and I the first time so I watched the first episode, I watched it twice. <clears throat> because I watched it when it first came out. And then I watched it a couple of weeks later when I was like, I've got to sit down and watch all these. And the first time that I watched it, as they're going into Port Chatham, I swear that DJ said, So we're the first people in here in seventy years. Um and then I think Keith says, yep. And as soon as I was just like, you know, bullshit, you know, <laughs> like throwing shit at my TV. And I'm like, they're really going to go with that, huh? Like, <clears throat> even though you can, you know, say, Disco- you can go on the Discovery Plus app, go to Alaska Triangle and watch me, Stephen and Adam go to Porch Adam, you, you know, like a year before them or two years before them. Uh, but then on the second uh, ep- time I watched episode one. He says, no one's been here in 70 years. And the guy's like, yeah, I don't think so. Or something like that. It, it seems a little bit more ambiguous than what I originally thought I heard where they basically stated that they were the only, the first ones there in 70 years. Uh, but they do talk quite a bit, especially during that first episode about how none of them have ever been there before, (laughs) And nobody, you know, like I've never been here. I'd never been here. I've never, like, I think they all say it a couple of times. And, you know, I know that people go over there and go hunting and they go into the bay and they go fishing and they wait out storms and stuff. So, you know, it's, it's true. There are people that fear that place and stay away from it, but it's not quite the ghost town that everybody kind of makes it out to be. Um, you know, people do go there and hunt occasionally. Uh, there's a sighting, I think it's on the Sasquatch tracker website from the seventies where somebody was in there hunting and they got screamed at and, and, and ran out. So people do go in there occasionally. Um, oh, and this was, (laughs) so they, they, um, pull the boat ashore. They're, they're basically on the the beach, like the main, I call it the main beach which is, um, right in front of the cabin, uh, the, the main cabin, I call it the red cabin. If you, uh, look, it's on, it's on the cover of my book. Um, I've got, uh, I think if you go to the last watch Facebook page, it's, uh, the cover photo, <clears throat> at least it is now until I change it. Uh, so they pull their boat up on that beach. And then I think it's not too long after that, their, their bear guide shows up in a, in a plane Which, uh, by the way, just about everybody that comes to visit them while they're there shows up either by plane or helicopter. And I know for a fact those helicopters are about $1,200 an hour to rent. So, you know, they could fly somebody uh, 40 miles and pay $1,200, but they can only pay me $100. (laughs) At least I know they use their budget (laughs) wisely (laughs) for helicopters and planes and shit, I guess. Not you know useful equipment. So they pull the boat ashore there on the main shore. The bear guide gets there, they start walking around. The bear guide discovers the cabin. I'm using quote fingers here because you can literally see it in some of the shots where they're pulling the the boat in. Like it's just it's like right there. Like if you look up, you'll see it. It's it's right there. And they make a big deal about, oh, there's a cabin over here. Like you can literally see, like you can come around the corner. Uh, into Port Chatham and you can see it. Like it's the only building I think that's visible from the water. <clears throat> so they're trying to set up camp. They don't have a pen for the tent, a tent. So they're like, we got to, We got to sleep, you know, in the cabin, uh, which I can't imagine was very comfortable. I've been in it. I've actually spent quite a bit of time in that cab, believe it or not. And uh I mean, if I was like stuck there, I mean, it would do in a pinch. But man, it was it's not it doesn't have a floor in it. It's and from what I remember of the ground, it's pretty uneven there. And uh that that could not have been comfortable if they did indeed spend the night in it. But so they're sleeping in the cabin. Uh of course stuff is, it has to happen. They hear footsteps, uh, they hear something like hit the cabin. Of course, you know, it's the typical the camera's pointed at them the whole time. They never try and capture like what's making the sound. They, you know, they whisper to each other. They do a lot of whispering, like, "What is that? What is that? You know, like, where's it at? What do you do? You see it? What is it? Oh, you know, and they, it's right over there. Okay." And then, you know, shh, 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 be quiet. And then it goes to commercial, and then it comes back, and it's the next day or whatever. <clears throat> and so, supposedly, this thing was like walking around the cabin. Well, there's it's snow all around the cabin. And it never shows them like, Oh, let's see if we can find tracks in the snow. Oh, there's no snow. That's weird. It sounded like it was right outside. Like there's none of that. Uh, so they literally just ignore that. Um, and then they figure out a way to fix the tent. They're going to take a nail out of the cabin and, um, use it to, to shore up their frame of their tent. And this was probably the first thing I noticed is like, wow, what a, what a, glaring error um so they're putting the tin up there's snow on the ground it's obviously like spring and one of the guys walks back to the cabin to get the nail and he gets the nail and he walks out of the cabin and it is like blatantly summertime like everything's green the snow's gone i mean he literally went in and there's snow on the ground. He comes out, there's no, no snow on the ground. <laughs> and I mean, I understand like, sometimes you forget to pick things up. Sometimes you forget to film things or, you know, the camera's not running all the time. Sometimes things happen and you kind of have to like, Oh, well let's, you know, let's redo this or let's, you know, shoot that where, you know, beans, the camera wasn't on when you said this, can you say it again? Like I kind of get that it happens. You do have to like reenact things sometimes or the camera didn't get the single of it. So you got to do it again. But that was just egregious. Like they could have literally just filmed him in the cabin, getting the, what he needed. And then him saying like, let's get back to the guys and cut back to it. Like they did not have to show that he was doing it in the summertime. It was just an odd choice that I found Uh, just some sloppy editing. Um, so After that, we get some exposition on basically why they're there. You know, Keith is saying they're there to uh, map the area, see if they can come back and and build another town or something. Which again, I think is just ridiculous. They're there to make a show. They're not there for any other reason. Um, I I don't understand why they went with that. I don't understand who came up with that. Um. I do like, this is the one positive thing that I will say about this series is I do like the little map that they throw up and show where things are around, uh, Port Chatham there. And from what I can remember, I think it's fairly accurate. I had a couple of questions about some things that come up later, but I really, I really enjoyed that. And I wish we could have done something like that with our documentary. Um, that is the one thing that I was like, man, that's, that's pretty cool. And as far as I can tell, it's fairly accurate. Uh, And then the bear guide goes into, um, uh, he's looking around without his, without any guns from what I could tell, like he's walking around literally without his rifle. He's like supposed to be the guy just to defend them from bears. And he's walking around with no bear gun. Uh, And he finds some tracks and, doesn't tell anybody. He finds some strange tracks that he says he doesn't recognize, doesn't know what they are. Of course, we don't get a very good look at them. Uh, I thought that was pretty, a pretty crappy thing to do. But again, I have um, been in similar situations with films that I've made where, you know, oh my gosh, look at this track. And then they show me finding the track, but they don't show the track. And that's kind of, it's an editing choice. And I know the people that are interested in Bigfoot and they're there for the Bigfoot stuff, they want to see the track. Like they would be happy if you just threw the track on the screen for like 20 seconds, but the people that edit the stuff, they're like, you can't just throw a static image up on this on, on the screen for 20 seconds. You got to have, you know, something going on. So they don't show the track, <clears throat> but personally, I don't think it was anything um, just due to the nature of the show, but he supposedly finds a strange footprint and doesn't tell anybody. And doesn't call anybody over to look at. Uh, Ash is out chopping wood. He gets sick. Um, You know, he's like spitting up his water. He's drinking and stuff. And, of course, you know, it's because of Bigfoot. Uh, I'm using quote fingers. Um, And then there's a scene where uh, Kyle, the bear guard, gives everybody a briefing on how to use bear spray. Then the guys are sitting around. Uh, talking around the fire. They're actually kind of talking about Kyle, the bear guard, who's, I guess he's supposed to be the skeptic of the group. And uh, I actually kind of felt like this scene was pretty legit. Uh, Actually, this is one of the few scenes where I felt like the guys were sitting around and they were speaking sincerely and talking sincerely and it didn't sound like they were reading lines. And, you know, I've heard that, There's been a lot of criticism, you know, about how staged the show is and how fake it is. And the, some of the cast members have been like, nope, nope. You know, like it was a hundred, you know, like I think they admitted to redoing the scene where he goes into the cabin to get the nail. And then there's like another scene, but other thing, everything else is 100% legitimate. And I don't like (laughs) the amazingly they found four guys who in regular conversation they talk like this when they speak and all four of them do it. And they just, sometimes when they talk, it sounds like they're reading stuff or they're, um, they're uh, regurgitating uh, lines that have been given to them. (laughs) What an amazing coincidence. Uh, So really, you know, there, there's not a whole much, a whole lot more going on. They're walking around. They find uh, some of the machinery on the beach. I actually know exactly where they're at when they find that stuff. It's actually not far at all from where the cabin is. If you just kind of walk down the beach just a little bit to the, if you're facing the cabin, if you walk down to the left a little bit, uh, it's down that way. Uh, And if you look up from that area, uh, you can see the uh, remnants of uh, some of the boilers and stuff that's up there. And then basically the episode ends when they're walking along the beach, they hear something and they're like, something's out there and they point towards the wood line. Uh, the camera cuts towards the woods. And as far as, I mean, it literally looks like the trees are just swaying in the wind and they're all like, Oh my God, there's something out there. And then the episode ends. I mean, it looked like they couldn't even be bothered to send somebody out there to shake a tree. They just literally filmed trees shaking in the wind. So that was the first episode. And that was basically when I was, I knew I was like, Oh no, its it's basically a less exciting version of mountain monsters. Um, so I feel like they're, they're, well, we'll get into it. Let's, let's head in. Let's head into episode two. We've got like three more episodes to cover. We're almost an hour in good Lord. So, Episode two is called it knows we're here. Uh, And this uh, starts out with them going to uh, explore up where the cannery used to be, where the machinery is. Uh, They find the water tower. And then while they're there at the water tower, the bear guard hears whistling and he's like, what's that? Did you guys hear that? And there's some whistling that, and that's, and this is where kind of where it starts, where they start hearing things. And, obviously the sound that you hear when you watch the show has been put in there post-production. It's not because a lot of like the, the whistling, uh, well, not just the wh- bit, a lot of the noise that they hear, they'll say, Hey, did you hear that? It sounded like this. And then you'll hear the sound and it's not what they described. <clears throat> and they're play they play music over the sounds while the sounds are, are going. And, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty bad. Like it's, it's pretty egregious, really. Um, obvious subterfuge going on with that. Um, you know, why not, if you caught it on audio, why not clean it up and, and play it? You know, even if it's not the best quality, you know, it's like, Hey, you got something like, listen to this. It's weird. What is it? Uh, you know, there's no reason to put in fake sounds if you're hearing real sounds and, the reason I say that is because the, the producer and the producers chime in quite a bit here. Uh, they chime in and say, Oh yeah, we heard it on the headphone. So obviously they got the sound, right? Like they got it. They heard it on the headphones, So they have it. And so he, so Kyle, the bear guard, he's the first one that found out of tracks in the last episode. Didn't tell anybody. Now he's the first one to hear whistling. And the production team is like, oh yeah, we heard it too. We heard it on the, we heard it on the microphone or on the headphones. And at this point I'm like, okay, is this guy, did the, is he a plant? Did the producers bring him in basically to just go along with whatever thing they say? And, you know, cause there's, there's a little, there's a short time here. While it seems like Kyle is the only one that's kind of, uh you know, it, noticing any activity. And it was kind of a red flag for me. Um, you know, he wasn't part of the original group. They brought him in um, after they all got there. Um, you know, the production team seems to kind of be coaxing him a little bit, or at least agreeing with everything that he says. And I was just, I was suspicious of Kyle. And, so then we get, uh, so, Oh, I forgot to mention, they're supposed to be spending 40 days there by the way. And I, I can almost guarantee you, they did not spend 40 days there in a row. Uh, it was broken up. I'm, I'm almost positive. And just for the fact that the scenery, the weather and the foliage changes so much uh, while they're there. <clears throat> uh, so it's day five. Uh, the snow from yesterday is, is gone. Everything's green. Uh, It's completely filmed and edited all willy nilly out of order. One day there's a couple inches of snow on the ground. The next day, everything is green. Like whoever edited this has no idea how seasons work, (laughs) how weather works. It's just, they, they, they might not even be from this planet. I'm not sure. And, um, this is the part that probably had me yell at the TV the most so they the ash and keith tell the guys like we're gonna go they they said something like we're gonna go see if we can find out some more about the history of port chatham and they get on their. they set up the coast we're gonna go up the coast and see if we can learn about port chatham and they get in their skiff and they leave and i'm thinking like are they gonna go like around around the corner to where that that um There's like a little um, stream up there, and I don't—I have no idea where they're going because they said up the coast, and then it goes to commercial or something. I don't. There's a cut, and anyway, the next thing you see is their skiff coming into the Homer Harbor. (laughs) Uh, So that's like a, a, a long way to go in a skiff <laughs> if they did I mean obviously they didn't they didn't even have enough fuel to, to do that they couldn't do it. Um, they obviously filmed this at a different time plus when they get to Homer it's obviously summertime <clears throat> and when they left Port Chatham it was still uh, spring and uh, they're gonna meet uh, they go into the Homer harbor and their in their skiff to meet with a historian um i i don't know what to say about that like i and it don't, and it's you know at one point i'm like you know it, it's i i know what some of you guys are saying or you're saying like beans it's for entertainment it's for entertainment it doesn't matter it doesn't matter and i understand that but at the same time i'm like you can make a good show and not and not and not and and not be so dishonest i don't know maybe it's the Maybe it's the, uh, the law enforcement officer. I mean, I don't know. But I just, I have a problem with being just so blatantly dishonest with the audience. And, you know, there there's nothing wrong with saying like, hey, we met with this guy, you know, afterwards or whatever. But then it shows them going back and they say, so I, I'm, I mean, I'm guessing they probably filmed the scene where they're telling uh, the guys back at camp what the dude said, but they actually filmed the scene later. Or like when it was uh, later in the year. <laughs> and I wonder, I, I wonder if this was supposed to be me, this historian, if this person that they were talking to was supposed to be me. And I wonder if they were going to tell me what to say. Uh, Cause he brings some stuff up that, um, that I never heard in my, in, in my research. And I actually, uh, I actually kind of tracked this guy down. I think I know who he is and I'm thinking about reaching out to him and just asking him where he gets some of his numbers. Cause it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, I know, I know, I know it's just probably made up for the show. Uh, but if he could point me to where he like found out this information, I'd be so stoked if he could, uh, confirm that. Uh, but he's been in several other shows as well. This historian. So I kind of think he's a, um, that's kind of what he does. He's a, a, a TV historian, so I think he probably just tells says whatever they want him to say. Uh, the bear guard uh, back at Port Chatham, he goes out with uh, the film crew because they come up to him again. You have the production team uh, inserting themselves and hey, we heard something really. We heard something. They they say they described it as a high pitched squeal behind their tent last night, and so. Uh, Kyle, the bear guard's like, let's go check it out. So he gets it at least this time. I think he's carrying his gun and they go walking through the snow of which there's absolutely none in Homer, but there's some here and they're walking through the snow. And he says, there's something moving the trees and the camera cuts over to the trees. And again, I I, I'm almost certain it's the fucking same shot that they used at the end of the first episode with the camera swaying in the wind And he's like walking around and he's got his rifle in one hand and then he pulls his pistol out of the holster. His other hand, I'm like, why is he dual wielding? Like why, if you've got your rifle, why do you need your pistol? Like your whole, the whole reason for your pistol is so you can fight to your rifle (laughs) so you can get to your rifle. Um, anyway, it cuts back to the historian. Uh, I'm actually, I'm surprised that he actually does mention the cannery fire. In fact, he says it burned down twice which I'm not so sure about that. I never came across that. Uh, it's certainly possible, but I'm really surprised that he uh, mentioned the fire. Cause I kind of felt like they were trying to move away from that narrative. Um, my guess is they'll, they'll just, uh, my gut feeling was they were trying to be like, "Oh, it's an evil curse. You know, the fire was caused by the curse and he again says he starts throwing numbers out there. He says, fifteen hundreds went missing again. I would very much like to know where he's getting these numbers. Uh, I would love for him to point me to the reference, um, for that. Uh, let's see. He gave, he gave a couple of names during his, um, interview of some people that I'm going to try and, uh, look up and track down. Uh, one of the names I'm almost certain was actually not involved in an incident at Portlock. He was involved in an incident uh in Southeast. It's uh, something that commonly gets mixed up with Portlock because of uh one single article that's a runner floating around on the internet. And for some reason it gets uh lumped in with Port Chatham, but it actually took place in Southeast Alaska. So I think he's probably just regurgitating stuff that he's read offline. Um Again, this is kind of where I noticed um, that the cast seems to be a little bit more preoccupied with Portlock, the history of Portlock, and the basically the location of Portlock, while the producers are more uh, interested in Bigfoot. Uh, they're talking to uh, Kyle. He's got some weapons uh, like laid out. They're, he's like showing the producers what he's got, and they're like, you know, what kind of gun would you use to shoot Bigfoot? Do you think that gun's big enough to kill Bigfoot? You know, like they're asking him like a bunch of Bigfoot questions. And again, you know they're really pushing that Bigfoot narrative. Um, I almost got the feeling like they went out there and they told the guys like, "This is you know this is what the show's going to be about." And then they got out there and they're like, "Ha ha! It's about Bigfoot." <laughs> um. So at this point, they they say that a lot of the cast and crew has gotten sick, um, and then that the sickness is supposedly correlated with taking resources from the land. Like, you know, I think Ash was like chopping wood or something when he, uh, got sick. And then supposedly the people that were there before, like they, the, the Spanish, uh, there's supposedly there's some Spanish explorers that got there that got, all got sick, <clears throat> which I've never heard of that. Um, in any of my research, I mean, it's possible, but it's unlikely, uh, that I was unable to come across that. And they say that, you know, a lot of these people that got sick, it was because they were taking resources from the land. Um, Personally, I doubt the validity of this uh, just from my own experience, uh, because when we were there, uh, we took and ate a shitload of berries. (laughs) We um, filled up like a lot of plastic bags with berries and took them uh, on the boat and Mary Beth made some something. I don't remember if it was pie or what. And, uh, anyway, we, we ate a lot of berries there. So, uh, none of us got sick. So I kind of feel like, uh, that's just a narrative that's being pushed by the production production team. <clears throat> then they have a, um, I sit around the campfire. They're having a powwow. Um, everything's lush and green. And then, um, the very next scene, they're talking about putting up trail cameras and now there's snow all over the ground again. Uh, they decide to put some trail cameras up and they hear, uh, some sounds. that sounds like, um, uh, a hatchet hitting wood. It's not, it doesn't sound like a tree knock. It sounds like a hatchet. And again, it's one of those, um, incidences where somebody says, Hey, I'm here. I think he calls it a clicking sound or something. He's like, I hear a clicking sound. And then you hear the hatchet sound and it's, The the sound that they play doesn't match the sound that's described. Uh, Then the sound supposedly starts getting closer and closer and they decide to leave the area. And and that's one of the things that irks me. It's another one of those like, you know, we're here to solve the mystery of the Nantanok or Bigfoot. And then they're like, oh God, I think the Nantanok's over there. Let's get out of here. It's like, okay, (laughs) why are you running from the thing that you're looking for? And I think um, that has been uh, pointed out a couple of times and has been, uh, dismissed by some of the cast members by saying, Hey, we're not Bigfoot hunters. We were there to do a job and we're not looking for Bigfoot, but yet they clearly state in some of the episodes that they're trying to find Bigfoot. So I don't understand the uh, contradiction there. Uh, in the next scene it's green and it's summertime again, man, that crazy weather. Uh, and they're out on the beach looking for clam. They see a buoy across the bay and then they, uh, even though, and they're like, what is that? What is that? Even though anybody that's been in Alaska for like, at least on the coast of Alaska for more than a couple of minutes can tell that it's a freaking buoy from a fucking <laughs> crab pot or something. Um, they blur it out, but I mean, you can obviously still see what it is and they can see what it is too, but they're like, what is that? I can't see. I can't tell what that is. Is that, and they try to make it out. Like it's probably a person in a life jacket or a survival suit or something, because obviously they need some excitement for the show. And then they go over there and they pull the buoy up and, you know, anybody, I mean, some of these guys have supposedly lived in Alaska all their life. They can't tell what a buoy is. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. <clears throat> they go and they, um, check the trail cameras. And, uh, this is where they start having the, um, the electronic failures, uh, which seems to plague the Expedition Bigfoot crew and these guys nonstop. And funny enough, you know, I've been in a lot of places that the Expedition Bigfoot people have been. I've been in a lot of places that these guys have been. Never had that problem. Um, uh, You know, they add a lot of um, post-production to the footage to make it look like it's pixelating. Uh, It's obviously added in. Um, You know, I know people are going to be like, oh, this guy doesn't, he's not a... He doesn't know. He's not a, he's not an editor. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> you know, you're right. <laughs> you just believe whatever you want to believe people. It's, it's fine. It's fine. Um, and then they keep, they, this is the thing that just irritated me to no end. They keep walking away from the camp, uh, solo, mostly Ash, I think does this. And they keep, uh, filming themselves like selfie cam, them, camming themselves. And they put that fricking fake ass filter on the camera that shows that it's recording and shows the battery life. And I don't know is there a camera in the world that was made after like 1990 that freaking shows a display when it's recording, you know? It just it's just so freaking convoluted fake. And um again, you know, they add in the facts, oh my camera's is messing up and um then he runs back to camp or whatever. And they just, they keep like, he does that like two or three times, like he'll leave camp by himself. And then they'll say something like, we shouldn't be leaving camp by ourselves. Nobody leaves camp by themselves. And then one of them will leave the camp by themselves. It just, it's just ridiculous. Uh, you know, when we went there, we basically kind of used the buddy. I did kind of walk off by myself at one point, And then I was like, Oh shit, I'm off air by myself. Um, and if we had, um, that's another thing too. Like they never address this. Uh if we were we wanted to spend the night, or I wanted to. I wanted to stay on the ground in Port Chatham instead of on the boat. Uh, but we did not have enough people uh to keep a twenty four hour guard. Like that's I wanted to to stay there, but that was one of the requirements if we were to do that was you have to have somebody up all night in the camp to keep watch for bears and other things. And they never address that. Like, why don't they have a a fire watch? It it just, I don't know. irritates me. Uh, so they're leaving the camp. Uh, they find the buoy that they rescued yesterday. It's up in a tree and, uh, they're just, Oh my God, you know, look how high it is. And I mean, it's, it's up in the tree, but it it doesn't look like it's up there far enough that somebody could not have thrown it up there. Um, and then, Of course, I don't think their trail camera that they had on the camp caught anything because the buoy was in their camp. Uh, And then it ends with them hearing more noises uh, that they play music over. And one of the guys, it kind of ends on a cliffhanger where they say like, oh my God, we're trapped out here. Like the tide tide has come in and now we're like trapped. We're going to have to go through the woods, which where they're not supposed to be going through the woods, although they go in the woods all the fucking time. And, um, (laughs) I've made a little note here. This is, this is in my notes for the second episode. It says I'm at the end of the second episode and I'm questioning if there's a God, I have to stop watching because my wife is coming home soon. And she forbids me from watching this when she's around. It's almost like, well, I'm, you know, like you better not be watching that Bigfoot stuff when I get home. (laughs) And It's not just any Bigfoot stuff. It's this stuff. If you think I have a, um, sour disposition when it comes to Alaska killer Bigfoot. My wife is like 10 times more surly about it than I am. It's, it's pretty funny. All right. Episode three, this one's called unhappy medium. Oh my God. So the beginning of this episode, they say it's been over a week and they mentioned some crazy swings with the weather and I don't that that really perplexed me. Cause I'm like, are they trying to explain the, that the grass turned green and then the snow left and then came back in a week? I don't, I don't, I don't understand. And uh, they're walking through the woods. They find a obelisk, which is this big, it's like a big concrete pillar thing kind of sticking up out of the ground. And I'm not sure where this is. Um, Cause when they show it on the screen, it kind of looks like, it kind of looks like maybe it's kind of close to the, um, to the shoreline, to the, to the cliff face. But then when they mark it on the map, it looks like it's more in the middle of the woods. And I don't remember seeing that thing when I was there. I'm not saying they put it there or anything. I mean, it, it was probably there. I just, I, I have no idea where they are when they're there. Cause a lot of the, the, the scenery and, and, and a lot of the stuff, the equipment and stuff like that, like the boilers and stuff, like I know exactly where they're at. Like, I can, OK, they're here. They're here and they're not quite as far away from <clears throat> their camp as they make as they're pretending to be. But I have no idea where the obelisk is. And, and make, I'm curious. And because the place that they put it on the map doesn't seem to line up with where it is. Uh, and then this guy um, named Noah shows up. And he's got dogs and, um, they're talking to him. He's excited to be there. He says, uh, while they're talking to him, he's sitting kind of on the beach and you can see, it looks like there's ATV tracks or something behind him on the beach. I'm kind of surprised that they must've brought an ATV or something for the, for the production. And then, um, there, they, it switches to him putting up a stove and keep in mind, we're on episode three, And I'm not quite sure, like I think this thing was probably put together um, really out of order. Like obviously the weather's changing, uh, things is, change places, you know, like things aren't where they used to be. And then it shows I'm putting this stove up in the tent. Supposedly this is like day, what did I say it was, day, <clears throat> I don't know. Last time I mentioned today it was day five. So this is at least day five according to the um, narration and they're putting a stove up in the tent so they've been here at least five days and they don't have anything else in the tent like there's no cots, no sleeping bags uh, no jackets hanging up nothing (laughs) so they've been there for five days they don't have anything in the tent except for the stove that they're putting in now Um, yeah I made a note of that in my notes uh, so they had found that obelisk earlier. Uh, they're like, it's getting dark. We better leave. They leave. And then when Noah gets there and it gets dark, they're like, Hey, you want to go see the obelisk? <laughs> and they go up there after dark. See this, they set these, like these rules or these like the guidelines. And then they immediately like break them or pay no attention to them. Um, so they, they're, and they're like, Hey, we got to go up here and see if, and they set these like, Oh, we're going to go up here and see if this obelisk is the source of the sound. And it makes no sense. What the frick? Like, they're going to go up there and there's going to be sound emanating from the obelisk or something. I don't know. It makes no sense to me. Like they're just, they're just doing things to be doing them and they're making up stupid reasons to do them when they could probably make up a little bit more linear narrative, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, I said, I said, how is this a thing and how do they need and why do they need to do it at night? Purely done for the show. <laughs> um, and then they send up a thermal drone, which is really cool. I love thermal drones, but the problem is, is you can't see through that canopy. Uh, they're almost useless there. They're really cool, but not a lot of, um, very useful in that type of, um, heavily canopied area. And then, uh, so they find this tree. So th- this is the first time we find the creepy tree. And I am like 99% sure I know exactly what tree that is because I took a lot of pictures of it because I thought it was creepy too. In fact, sometimes I see something, I see them reference something or do something on the show. And I have to wonder, like, did they like see or hear you know, my video or pictures or whatever. And now they're like, Oh, that's a cool tree. Let's incorporate that. And because they seem to incorporate this tree into the story and they call it the tre- creepy tree. I called it the evil dead tree. Cause it just looks like something out of evil dead. Uh, I've got a picture of it on my, on the last inter- Instagram. Um, and after this goes up, I'll, um, I'll repost it here. Um, after I get this episode up so you can go and you won't have to scroll down very far to see it. But, uh, anyway, they start talking about all these claw marks on the tree and they're like, we think that's, um, you know, maybe the Nantanok did this. And I mean, they're obviously, uh, porcupine scrapes. Um, they, they seem to make a big deal out of them. And again, I mean, this Kyle guy, he like owns a guide service here in Alaska and he looks at some stuff that's pretty obviously normal stuff. And, and is like, I don't know the Nantanok, I've never seen that the Nantanok must've done it. Um <clears throat> so they um the Noah Noah has the dog. Noah's like, oh, the dog's scared. It looks like it's scared. And the dog's literally just standing there <laughs> looking, looking around. Uh you know, he's like the, the dog's terrified, it's so scared, <laughs> and the dog's just standing there. <laughs> um so they've got the thermal drone up in the air and the producer gets on the mic and it's like, everything's hot in that area. Everything's hot. And it's just residual heat from the daylight on the vegetation. I mean, that's all it is, but they're making it seem like it's more than it is. And, um, then, uh, apparently they see something on the thermal that's after them, but they don't show what it is. Uh, it's just, it's just the cast and you can make out one of the dogs and they're like, there's something headed towards it, but I saw nothing else uh, on that thermal screen that they popped up. And then again, watch, I was mentioning, mentioning earlier, Ash uh, goes out by himself again. I think even after they've had a conversation about not doing it, uh, he's got his, uh, his selfie cam with the, um, uh, the record and the battery, uh, display up with the heads up display on. And, um, then, you know, of course he's, he sees something or he hears something, but he doesn't get it on film. Uh, and then he's walking around and he, oh, this is daytime now, by the way. And he finds some scat, uh, some poop on the ground. He says, it's not like any bear scat he's ever seen before. Uh, it's bear scat. It's, it's, it's totally bear poop. It's actually spring bear poop. Um, you know, when the bears wake up and they, um, they start, uh, consuming food and going poop. They actually, uh, their poop can look a lot like moose poop. Actually it can actually look a little pelletized. Uh, but that, that's totally, it's totally bear poop. Um, I've seen it exactly like that same kind of poop before in my backyard in the spring. <clears throat> and, um, <laughs> uh, somebody says when he gets back, somebody talks about how stupid he is going off by himself. Uh, he takes the guys back, uh, to look at the, the poop and all these guys that are like lifelong Alaskans none of them say that it's bear scat they're all like I've never seen anything like that before then one of them finds a hair on a branch and what do they do they start uh, grabbing it with their bare hands and passing it around again these guys aren't Bigfoot hunters they say uh, you know they're not there to look for Bigfoot they're there to do something I'm not sure exactly what but they're not Bigfoot hunting absolutely not uh, again, they were looking at tree scrapings again, done by porcupines. Um, they find the creepy tree. Uh, I do agree with them that the tree looks very creepy. Um, I'm not sure. It looks like when they put the creepy tree on the map, it looks like they put it up a little bit higher up to the, or actually be further down to the South, uh, than I probably think it probably is. I think it's actually just a little bit closer to the, uh, red cabin. Like you go, if you're facing the red cabin, you go into the woods to the left and it's probably just, a a few dozen yards inside there. And there's actually a ca- another cabin that you can see another red cabin, uh, not too far behind it. And I'm guessing that they're probably going to find another, ca- find that cabin here in the next couple of episodes or something. Cause they've only so far, they've only found the one. What, which I mean, they've walked, they've had to walk right by the other ones, but they haven't found them on film yet is what I'm saying. Um, let's see. One of the guys is walking around. He's saying, who knows when the last time somebody stepped foot on this beach. Um, oh, they go to the lagoon. That's what they're doing. I think they walk down to the lagoon. One of the guys says, uh, who knows when is the last time somebody stepped foot on this beach. And I, I put it on my notes. I put, I know, <laughs> Uh, They find a bone on the ground, and they're, of course, touching it with their bare hands, and they're looking at it, and one of them goes, that looks like it might be human. And then, all of a sudden, the scene just stops because they hear a helicopter, and their $1,200-an-hour helicopter lands, and um, a psychic medium uh, lady gets off, and she's there. Uh, Apparently, the native elder, I think Tommy is his name, uh, sent her to confront the Nantanok on a spiritual level. And so the medium gets out of the, the helicopter and she says the air is heavy. And it seems like all, and of course, all the team is, is skeptical. Uh, she's got crystals with her. She's like setting them out by the campfire. Uh, and you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, uh, saying that I don't believe that and that mediums are like hoaxers or bunkum. I think there are actual, some really, uh, and what do they call them? Intuitives out there. Um, didn't, didn't get the, the, the strong vibe from this lady that she's legit. I'll I'll explain a little bit more in a bit in a minute. So she tells the guys, she feels something negative. She feels sick. Like she's going to throw up or no. She's, she tells the guys that when she feels negative energy, she feels like she's going to throw up. And I put here, in my notes I said I feel like she's setting us up for telling us she's gonna be sick later I said that's what we call foreshadowing so she walks um she walks in the in the direction that she says she's being pulled towards and you know there's actually like little game trails and stuff all back in there I feel like she was probably just following the trail because at one point they're like Hey, let's, uh, you know, let's go over here in this direction. And she's like, Oh, I don't want to go in that direction. That's there's something bad happened over there. And I'm pretty sure it's because there's no trail going that way. (laughs) Um, but so then she starts, they're like asking her what she sees. She says, this is great. She says she's having visions of a river and somebody dying near the water. And I had a good laugh at that because I'm like, you, you can say that, anywhere in Alaska and you're going to be spot on. Like, I feel like someone died in a body of water near here. Yeah, no shit. (laughs) It's Alaska. (laughs) There's a river, a lake, or an ocean somewhere around you at all times. (laughs) Uh, that's like, uh, that's, that's a pretty, pretty wide net to cast. And, uh, again, I, I, I noted here that the lines that they speak they're they just seem so forced, you know, it's just, you know, like, what do you mean? You don't feel good. You know, like, oh no, Keith, she's not feeling good, man. We need to get her back to the camp, you know, stuff like that. It's just so forced. And, uh, of course, you know, Hey, look at that. I'm a, I'm a psychic too. She says she's going to throw up, um, uh, and it's funny because she tells the guys, Hey, I feel sick. I feel like I'm going to throw up. And then we literally have a flashback to like five minutes before where she's sitting around the fire telling the guys, when I feel negative energy, I feel like I'm going to throw up. <laughs> so we have to have a flashback to five minutes before when she's telling everybody she throws up when she feels negative energy or whatever. That was, that's uh that's Cracker Jack storytelling right there, guys. And, uh, so then she gets back in her helicopter and leaves and they sit around the tire, the fire, um, talking uh, about her, you know, about the medium, about what they think about her or what she saw and all that stuff, what she said. And then they hear like a roar off in the distance and they all stand up and look. And of course, you know, the camera angle changes from the time they hear the sound to the time they get up and look. So, I mean, it obviously wasn't done in one take it's not one fluid motion I don't I mean it's just ridiculous to think that this was all basically by the minute how things happen and if somebody's trying to tell you that people they are not telling you the truth okay I just I know it's hard it's hard to believe I know something's on TV that's it's not true but uh, I, I I know I know I'm jealous I am I'm jealous. All right, so <clears throat> now we're on episode four. This is the last one that we're going to talk about, and then we're going to uh, call it a day, and we're going to talk about the next four episodes in the next epi- episode of the podcast. This is getting confusing, and the name of this episode is called SOS, and I uh, I made a little note here in my notes. I said, I'm getting ready to start episode four. I'm kind of feeling bad about supporting the show by watching it. And this is actually, I'm actually at this point, I'm like, man, do I want to? Cause every time I hit play, like some, somebody's there's, there's a computer in somebody's office somewhere at the discovery channel that like dings every time I hit play. And I'm just like, I don't want to do that. Like, but I don't want to like pirate stuff either. So I, I think I've got a, I've got an idea of what I'm going to do, but I'll, I'll save it for next episode to tell you. Um, so this was the episode, episode four. This is the episode where they start spelling Nantanok, right? In the subtitles, or at least spelling it the way that I believe it's spelled. And we're actually all the way on day 13. And, um, now all of a sudden, and this is another thing that they do in the show. They just kind of like, they, uh, diverge from these like missions, like one minute, They're like, our mission is to, uh, find this obelisk and find out if it's, uh, making noises and then without completing that mission or they'll go out in the woods, they'll hear something, they'll run away. And they're like, all right, now our mission is to find this waterfall. I mean, it's just, it's kind of like all over the place and now they got to find this waterfall and, we get some uh, pretty nice looking drone footage and that's another th- that's another nice thing I'll say about the show. They do get some good footage of the area. Um, they do get some pretty nice scenery. And uh, I think some of our drone footage actually is probably a little bit better than what they got, <clears throat> but um, they do get some pretty nice, some pretty nice um, uh, scenery of the area. And, I noticed like in certain scenes, I'll see them carrying equipment that they haven't previously been carrying. Uh, Like in one scene, I think it was the first episode, one was walking around with a shovel, and they never really explain why. And then uh, in this one, when they're walking to the waterfall, one of them's carrying a metal detector, and I was kind of like, "Why? Like, why have a metal detector and not?" They don't explain it. And uh, they find this. I believe it's the same stream that we found. And I was wondering if they were actually going to get that far over there. And this is the area on the other side of that stream is actually where we had quite a bit of activity. And that's where I've got my, um, my thermal footage when we were there. And I was kind of wondering if they were going to go over there. But they say they're going over there looking for the waterfall. And then they say, oh, look, we found this waterfall. And it's, it's, a, it's, it's glacial melt. It's like snow that's coming down. It's snow that's melted and coming down off the mountain. It, it, I'm pretty sure that's not like a year round waterfall. There is a waterfall there, but it's up. It's really hard to get to. It's way up in the hills and it's probably too hard for them to get to. And they probably just found that and they're like, Hey, it's, this is our waterfall. <clears throat> um, so at this point they find their waterfall. They're like, Oh, we can supply water to our village that we're going to build here. And, uh, at this point they do something, they actually do something I agree with that. I'm kind of like, oh, okay. Now we're doing something that somebody looking for Bigfoot would do. And they put out some audio recorders. So supposedly they've got trail cameras and audio recorders out at this point. Uh, but I know from looking at the descriptions and from seeing some stuff online, I know Ron Moorhead shows up in this episode. So I had kind of predicted, I said, okay, this is what's going to happen much like the with the, the psychic from the previous episode where I'm like, okay, she's telling the guy she's going to get sick or she gets sick when she feels negative energy. Obviously, later on here, she's going to get sick because there's negative energy or whatever. And that's why it happens. So I'm thinking, I'm watching this and now I'm starting to like, I'm, I'm figuring out like their plot lines and their narrative here. And I'm like, okay, <clears throat> they're going to, they're putting all of a sudden in this episode, they're putting these audio recorders out. Ron Moorhead's in this episode. So they're going to get something on their audio recorder that they're going to call Ron Moorhead in to analyze. And I really thought that's the way it was going to go. So they put the cam or the audio recorders out. Uh, I believe again, they experienced the odd battery botter- battery drain. I've been talking for too long. I'm starting to um, starting to not speak so well. Uh, I, I think they get some battery drain on their uh, equipment again you know we didn't experience anything like that at all the only uh, equipment malfunction that we did experience was when steven didn't turn the freaking camera on which for some reason somebody thought that was me they're like the fat bald guy didn't turn the camera on and it clearly explained in the film that it was steven so steven you need to issue a, a public statement on that and tell people it was you and not me um so the guy noah with the dogs hear something at night while the cameras were on and around, but no, none of us heard it. And now he's scared. So he's like, I'm out of here. And it was, it was actually really weird. Like it almost made me wonder if he really did hear something. (laughs) Uh, more than likely, I think though, he was probably, you know, like it was time for him to go. His, his vacation time was over or his time off he took from work was over. He had to get back and they had to come up with a reason for him to leave. So he's like, I'm scared. I'm leaving. Um, again, because whatever happened to him, the cameras were like right there and didn't seem to capture any of it. Uh, and now they're in the tent and, um, they're going to listen to the recording. And this is where I make my prediction. Like they're going to hear something and then they're going to call in Ron Warhead to listen to it. And sure enough, they do hear something on audio, some kind of roar or something, um, And then, uh, so, and then it it cuts to them talking about the footage, right? And they literally use footage of the producers, uh, basically leading them, telling them using leading questions to get them to say what they want to say. You know, like you ever heard anything like that before in that audio? No. You think it was a Bigfoot or you think it was an Antonock, you know, like that's what we call in the business, a leading question. Uh, so anyway, it cuts to the village. Uh, we see the elder. I believe is it Tommy. I believe it's Tommy. Uh, he's going to send a guy out to uh, to help the team. Uh, and this, I can't remember the fellow's name. They call him Guy. That's his nickname. Most a lot of of uh, native um, people have nicknames, and they just kind of like beans. Like I, I, you know, it's just something that uh, sticks with them. So Guy. Um, shows up. He's supposedly a hunter. I guess this is supposed to be like Noah's replacement. Uh, he tells the guys he saw an Nantanok when he was 18. Uh, he wants, <clears throat> he wants Keith, the guy wants Keith to take him out and show him something. Uh, so they take him over to the cat and it's past dark. Like they literally say like, okay, it's not nighttime. You know, we're not going to go anywhere. And then Keith's like, or guys like, take me somewhere. Let's go look at something. So, Again, uh, they take, they take him over to the little cabin. They're walking around the cabin. Uh, again, they hear something, uh, again, the sound, it just doesn't sound organic with the scene. Uh, I know there's been a lot of talk about this, like on online on their Facebook and they're saying like, Oh, well, you know, the audio was taken out and cleaned up and then put back in. And I, I don't believe that I, I know what cleaned up audio sounds like I've had it done. I just don't think that's what it is. I think they're just adding sounds in post-productions. Uh, a lot of, And a big clue to that is a lot of times when they hear something, they'll say, did you hear that it sounded like a high-pitched squeal or it sounded like a this or that? And then the sound they play doesn't sound like that. That's not at all how I would describe that sound. So now we're on day 16. Um, I made a note. It says their mission mission seems to alternate between mapping a town and looking for Bigfoot. Like it's, there's not a lot of structure to it. Um, they've been showing guy around. Uh, and then this, this kind of surprised me because the, the narrator actually says that Nantanak is, is being coy and hasn't, uh, hasn't been making his presence known. And I actually was like, well, what that's kind of surprising. Like usually every time one of them, you know, turns around, They're hearing something, seeing something like there's something going on. Like it's literally every time, uh, they shake a stick, something happens. So that was curious. I I found that to be curious that they actually, uh, mentioned that there was nothing going on. And I, I kind of, I was like, Hmm, that's interesting. That's an interesting choice. And, um, so they show Guy around and then like this point, I'm like, okay, my, my prediction about Ron Moorhead was wrong. Cause I thought, okay, they're going to call him in because they heard the sound. They're going to want him to come in and analyze the sound. No, he just fucking shows up out of nowhere. <laughs> he just, the plane lands on the beach and there he, he storms the beach like Normandy. He just shows up like, you know, Bigfoot. And then Ron Moorhead shows up. And, um, this was, <clears throat> my favorite part of the show, my favorite is favorite is part of the show. Ron gets out of the helicopter and they throw his name up on the screen and under his uh, description or his occupation, they put Bigfoot expert. I'm just going to let that hang there for a little bit. Bigfoot expert. So anyway, they get to talking to Ron and he starts telling them a little bit about the Sierra sounds and his, uh, encounter. And I, I could be wrong. I've heard Ron Moorhead, um, speak before I, I've heard him give a presentation and I don't remember him ever, uh overtly mentioning that the creatures that he, Supposedly encountered were aggressive. And now on this show on Alaskan killer, Bigfoot, he says that they were aggressive. So I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm misremembering. Maybe he did say that, but I swear that he's never mentioned those creatures being aggressive before, but that's just my, maybe it's my faulty memory. Um, In my opinion, I think he was just saying what he was prompted to say. Uh, So this, um, at this point, Ron, they pull out some speakers, some big like Bluetooth speakers or whatever. And they kind of point it uh, toward the back of the cabin, the the red cabin there. And I got to admit, this part of the show is where I was feeling a little bit jealous because... I really would love to go to Port Chatham and just bust out the Sierra sounds. I think that would be awesome. So he basically, Ron's like, okay, we're going to play some, and I'm like, here we go. Like this is, this might actually be kind of cool. So he starts playing some sounds and the first one is just some, I'm not sure. Maybe all of these are part of the Sierra sound, but the first thing he plays is just like a grunt, like a, some grunt, some general grunting. And then they sit there for a minute and nothing happens. And then he plays uh, another sound and it's, it's part of the Sierra sound. And then he plays like he ends up playing like three sounds all together, And none of them are like, and I, I mean, you know, who knows how they edited it. Maybe he did play them. We just don't get to see it. Or maybe he didn't want them broadcast on TV for licensing issues or whatever. I don't know. Maybe he wanted uh, more money than they were willing to to give him. Uh, hopefully he got more than a hundred dollars to fly out there. But um, anyway, so they don't play like, at least they don't show us on film them playing the Sierra sounds. But of course, um, after they play those sounds, of course things start happening. Uh, they hear noises around their position. Uh, and this, this was, this was great. So several times, like, the whole time they're talking to Ron Moorhead, he's telling them like he even, like I remember I mentioned, he said something about the creatures being aggressive uh, with the Sierra sounds. The whole time he's talking to him, he's kind of not even low key. He's just saying like these creatures, you know, you could provoke these creatures, you know, these creatures can be aggressive. You could uh, provoke them by playing these sounds. So the whole time he's talking to him, he's saying this, they play the sounds. <clears throat> they start hearing noises, which I'm, I'm not convinced that they were actually there. I think they were probably added in later. They start hearing noises. And then one of the guys is like, what did we do? Did we provoke it? Or do you think we provoked it? And Ron's like, yeah, we we could have. And that's literally what he's been saying the whole time he was there. And, um, then, you know, again, you know, damn the luck. The electronics uh, start going down. They start having problems with the electronics. Uh, It's weird how it never happens when they're like playing Sierra sounds or like they're using a drone or something. It just happens when it's convenient for the storyline. And uh, then you can say, oh, no, we didn't get anything because the power went out. And uh, then basically the episode ends kind of almost on a kind of a cliffhanger uh, after they... Broadcast the sounds and hear the noise and, you know, will our, will our heroes survive? I mean, and heroes is a capital, all capital letters. Will our heroes survive until next week's episode? I have a feeling they will. But anyway, guys, uh, that is my thoughts on the first four episodes of Alaska killer Bigfoot. And, uh, you know, I'm sure some of you are uh, not happy with my take on the show. I'm sure a lot of you think that it's uh, it is a uh, masterpiece uh, that should be uh, preserved and for all prosperity and time in, in the Louvre, but uh, I disagree and I just feel it's um, it's not um, I, I feel it's it's very disrespectful to the um, to the land to to Port Chatham. Uh, obviously, you know, like I said, I'm biased. I'm jealous. I'm jealous of the attention the show's getting. Uh, I'm jealous that people uh, believe that they're the first ones in there. I mean, I am, I'll admit it, but, uh, I, I feel it's, it's, it's very disrespectful, uh, to, to play it, uh, in such a, um, bombastic manner and, and just to be, uh, is as, as fake as it is. And, you know what? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe uh, everything that happened and everything they play a hundred percent happened. But, uh, you know, just using my deductive reasoning that I've acquired over the years, I just don't think that's the case. And, uh, you know, it's my opinion. And it's the great thing about this country is I get to have that. Um, <clears throat> I will share some more things and tidbits on the next episode. Um, I have, uh, quite a bit to say on that, but like I said, after I am done, Uh, With this two-part series here on Alaska Killer Bigfoot, it's uh, I'm I'm done. I'm over it. I'm not going to mention it again. I'm not going to bring it up again. And uh, that's, I mean, like I said, the only reason I'm really even doing this is because I said in the previous episode that I was going to do it. Uh, I I literally almost backed out and uh, didn't do it because I I almost couldn't get through it. I almost couldn't watch it. And um, another reason is, you know, I've been almost inundated with messages and questions from people asking me, you know, what I think about it, what I think about this, what I think about that. Did I do this there? Did I see that there? And this is kind of my blanket answer uh, that I'm going to, you know, a lot of times when people, people will ask me questions about stuff that I've already addressed on the show. And I'll just send them the link to the show and be like here. (laughs) So I don't have to type a bunch of shit. Um, But yeah, that's, that's something that's always kind of weirded me out about the, the Bigfoot community is, you know, I've been on, I've had the pleasure and and the honor of being on a lot of different podcasts, uh, some, with some, you know, great, great hosts, great, uh, talented people. And every time I've ever been on a show where they had like a live stream where uh, people could pop on and like, type do like a live chat or whatever. I mean, it's like guaranteed like clockwork. I get like the same three questions. What do you think about dog man? What do you think about Todd standing? And what was the third one? Oh geez. Oh, my mind blank. But anyway, you, you get the gist of what I'm saying. Like basically I get the same two or three questions every time that I do something like that. And the, a lot of times the host will just kind of ignore them cause they have their own like questions and, and direction they want to go. But, you know, I, it seems like, uh, in, in the Bigfoot community, other people's opinions are so important and it's just so like, I want to know what this guy thinks about this, or I want to know what that guy thinks about that. And while certainly, you know, some people's opinions, um, can bring, uh, knowledge and insight. You know, the most important thing at the end of the day is what do you think? You know, what do you believe? What do you in your heart of hearts feel? Uh, you know, you shouldn't rely on other people to do your thinking for you. Um, I don't know. I guess that's all I got to say on it. But, um, anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this uh, overview. I'm sure it pissed some people off. I'm sure, uh, other people are agreeing with me. Uh, next time I will talk about some of the love and hate the show is receiving online and, uh, some other cool tidbits that, uh, I can't wait to share. Anyway, guys, I am going to jump off here. Uh, if you want to support me and support the show, you can go to a uh, go to the store, <clears throat> buy yourself something like a shirt or a sticker or a book. And, uh, throw a couple of shekels my way helps me pay for, uh, gas and equipment and food and stuff like that while I'm out and, um, uh, helps uh, support the show. I don't do a Patreon. I, at least not yet. Uh, because I don't think, uh, <clears throat> I've hit Patreon numbers yet. I'm still, uh, growing and learning and having, uh, having a pretty good time. So anyway, guys, I love doing the show. Thank you so much for listening and, uh, tune in next week and we'll, uh, kill the Alaska killer Bigfoot. Good night.